Hey folks, we have another bonus episode from uh, TCAF. This one is David Brothers uh, moderating or basically interviewing Ron uh, Wimberly on his spotlight panel. They just talk about, you know, his career, stuff he's working on, labs release, um, good questions from the audience. There you go. Some nice, good content. Thanks to David and Ron for letting me uh, post this. And, you know, share this on the Internet. Enjoy. This, is, of course, is on Patreon first. Uh, Patreon.com slash Julian Lytle. Um, yeah, there'll be an outro with all the other information. Won't be a lot in the show notes for this. Hope you enjoy. Peace. Conversation that's hopefully gonna be kind of like what we're about to do. Mm-hmm. He's got a way. Yeah. yeah, he's got he's got class. This guy, um, <laughs> Julian Lytle, cool dude. He'll, he's gonna hear this when he edits, and hopefully it'll embarrass him a little bit. I would compare him to another um, interview journalist, but we're not gonna do that. <laughs> he's now the reigning. You know? Yeah, he's top dog. Yeah. Um, so, how many people here don't know who Ron Wimberly is? Hey. <laughs> Nobody. All right, so you don't know. Okay, we can catch you up. Um, so I'm David Brothers. Uh, I'm the moderator of the panel. Basically, my job is just talking to people about comic books. Um, and this is Ron Wimberly. He makes comics. Uh, you just made a magazine called Lab that we're going to get into a little bit. And he's got a really cool style. Yeah. Not to flatter you on stage, but can you show the backside of the paper? Oh. Just kind of see. How rude. Yeah. <laughs> But Ron is a guy you're influenced by French comics, Japanese comics. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I have a, I have, a, I think a pretty wide diet. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like with the manga. I'm kind of more into the, um, what do you call it, uh, gekika. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is more real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Naruto is one kind. Mm-hmm. Gekika is old men read it. Yeah, shonen I like too. Yeah, uh, you know. I mean, I like a lot of different stuff. I, I tend to gravitate towards things that are on the edge of one or another, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then Bon Dessine, you know, like I like, you know, a lot of the different. How were you first exposed to all that stuff? Um, I guess, is New York the answer? Yeah, New York is kind of <laughs> the answer, but in um, PG County, like my buddy was in the comics. And in this magazine, I talk a little bit about how I got into, um, I guess, Grendel. Mm. By uh, Matt Wagner. Yeah, yeah. Was sort of like a, um, I, that's how I got introduced to weird stuff. And Non, that magazine Non that Jordan Crane used to put out back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I used to pick that up. And I think that was when I was still in high school. That's when I started to kind of like look for odd stuff. Yeah. And then at, uh, in New York, 
um, when I was, you know, a freshman or so, like Dave Cooper's stuff, like kind of going to the adult section of the comics, and like um, because it, this one comic book store called um, Jim Hanley's, they kept the adult stuff and the European stuff in the same section, and I went into mm. that section looking for Mobius, and that's how I found like Dave Cooper, and then I think that kind of exposed me to what like writing could do, you know. He did a, uh, the Rocketeer. No, Dave Cooper did Ripple and um, a bunch of other, Crumple, and a bunch okay. of other books that kind of have that. Uh, he just came out with a new book. He also designed the characters in Futurama. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's weird. It's, it's strange because, like, he's low-key a huge deal, but I'm surprised by how few people know about him, but also how big of a, um, you would never maybe tell, tell from looking at my work, but, like, I'm yeah. Big influence on me. Who are some other cartoonists where you're like, these dudes are the sun, moon, and stars? Like, who do you look up to? Yeah, I mean, besides Mobius. Yeah. Um, huh. Um, well, I definitely, um, uh, Tekken Concrito came out when I was uh, in college too. Tayo Matsumoto. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was like, that was kind of looking at someone who, um, he was working in the language of cartoonists like OGs, mm-hmm. but I thought he was younger, but like he's actually still like, he's, yeah, he's like, a, he's, I thought he was my age. And I was yeah. like, wow, okay, I can do this, right? Which was naive. Um, <laughs> same with Paul Pope, like seeing his um, giant size THB, like picking those up, they were just like magazines. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, they were just cool magazines and he did um, a couple issues. Um, that's where I found out about Hugo Pratt because he wrote about Hugo Pratt in like mm-hmm. giant size THB, you know, and it's like, I don't know, he did a service for cartoonists, and Hugo Pratt is definitely one of those giants for me. Um, Jose Munoz, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, there's a new guy who's young, maybe someone in the audience knows, he did this comic called Passi or Paki, um, French, Bon Désigné, it came out from Darko. Mm-hmm. I've been looking at him, I'm like, he's a young killer, I wanna, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't, you know. And then there's a bunch of young guys who are coming out now, like Richie and yeah. Chris, who I'm like, wow, you know. There's a crew of cartoonists out of uh, Richmond, Virginia. Richie Pope, Chris Kindred, Shannon Wright, mm-hmm. uh, they're killers. Like, it's so good. Uh, that super itis that Richie did. Yeah, yeah. That when that came to the office, uh, Zainab Akhtar, who did a short box, sent it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read it and immediately took it to like three other people to be like, look, you gotta read this comic about working too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like it was so real, like mm-hmm. I immediately it provoked mm-hmm. that reaction. Yeah, he's doing good work. Yeah. I mean, they all are. That squad. Yeah. I mean. And they, they need know. like a code name. Like they need like their X Force. Yeah. I don't want them to have a code name. A code name, because then I'm gonna be out of. I'm gonna be out of the in group. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to like uh, Shan, Shannon's been uh, waiting forever for a script from me, but like I'm, you know, I'm gonna have her in uh, Sunset Park doing a backup. Awesome. Like, by the way. Yeah. Now you're not even at Image anymore. <laughs> but like, yeah, broken down the first issue and inking the first issue now, and like, yeah. Can you um, tell us anything about Sunset Park, or is it too early? No, it's it's fine. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, if I ruin it for you, I'm sorry. Like, I don't really believe in spoilers. I'm like, if it's a good story, like you could tell me it, mm-hmm. and then like the the um the art is in the telling type mm-hmm. of deal. You know, like you never know what's gonna happen and how you tell the story. Um, I'm not gonna give away like one of the bigger things, but if like you're a fan of. Uh, John Kel, John Kale, and um, Lou Reed. Like you'll you'll guess what you'll guess what like the big thing is in the comic. 
like I just gave it away to you. <laughs> but like, um, it's it's a romantic horror story, and it's got like um, you know it deals with it deals with meta issues that kind of correlate to the original um, romantic horror like canon, like Dracula and Frankenstein. Sounds good, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I wish I had the image. Um, we showed some image, like the promo image from mm. Image Expo. Yeah. Yeah. I should have came prepared. No, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, so you make comics. You make newspaper tabloid. Was the yeah. Word you well, now I do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so tell us about how did Lab come to be? Um, Is it Lab? Yeah, it's Lab. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also do like the idea that people don't know how to say it. It's because you, know you put pronounced Lab on the cover. Yeah. And nobody knows how to read those accent marks. Right. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> well, one of the things that's great about, um, so, uh, yeah, reading manga or uh, bon dessiné is like you pick up books sometimes just off of what they look like. Mm -hmm. So um, it was 10 years or more. Uh, maybe not 10 years. That's a lie. It was maybe like five years, I'm gonna say something really controversial <laughs> right now, for cartoonists um, or cartoon journalists. It was like five years before I realized that like, I liked Jose Munoz, but not Sampaio. <laughs> because I had the books and I hadn't read any of it, you know? And I just, you know, I was like, wow, this is radical. This is, you know, what he's doing with these, these figures. Um, and that's kind of like, I'm into that, so not, understanding exactly what you're, or catching up to it, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, I'm also, I read a lot of books, but I don't actually talk to a lot of people who have also read the books that I've, I've read. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes I'll, there'll be a neologism or something, I might have mis misspoke, I might have said that wrong. Be like, you know, I, I talk to someone and then someone in the academy will be like, oh no, it is, uh, it is, um, Walter Benjamin, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know, you know? Shout out to my homegirl who schooled me on that. Tarjay. Yeah. <laughs> Tarjay. <laughs> T is silent. Uh, so this is you, you're doing, you got comics in here, um, you've got cultural criticism. Mm -hmm. Is that how you see it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You even do like straight up reviews of comics, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Because mm -hmm. not a lot of uh, cartoonists do that and even fewer are good at it. Mm -hmm. Because um, I think that just because you make something doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at transmitting why, mm. like it's solid, why mm -hmm. it's effective work. Um, so what's your approach to review? Like what do you what do you focus on? Um, I wanted to approach the review uh, thinking about like so when I'm when I'm working, um, thinking about the materials, thinking about uh, how the formal practice relates to the materials and like how I got it. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that I try to do in lab is like, so I'll talk about, so I got this one comic, it's a digital comic. And what's dope is like, it's made on the computer, so aesthetically, how does this work? You know, um, it, for me, there's like a, uh, uh, a harmony there. You know what I mean? I, I dig it a little bit more because I'm looking at it on a screen. You know, mm -hmm. if I'm seeing it printed, but it was made on a computer, like what does that mean? Like, and I explore things like that, I explore, kind of, you know, more from maybe a cartoonist perspective, like thinking about, well, um, functionally what they're doing and uh, formally what they're doing, mm -hmm. as well as like the subject matter. And like, uh, how does the um, subject matter shape the formal practice? Like, and, and is that something that this artist has thought about? Mm -hmm. So um, essentially, I mean, it's just because like, I kind of want that, you know, and I really appreciate that. Even yeah. if it's accidental, I appreciate when the subject or something about 
the idea has shaped what the form of it is. Mm -hmm. So like I'm coming at it from that angle. I think maybe that's um, something that I'm trying to do uh, that may be unique. I don't know, I don't read a, a whole lot of. It's unique. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I would like for there to be more, but you know, baby steps. Mm -hmm. um, why is this issue called dark matter? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, because, you know, it's uh, it's a little bit. It, the title is kind of poetic. It's, I'm trying to uh, trying for you know it's re it's a reduction of a large idea. Yeah. Um. Uh. So there's many facets to this. Um. I wanted to acknowledge in the first one, sort of my own political subjectivity and how I'm looking at all of this, right? Mm -hmm. So an admission that uh, I consider these ob observations an astute observation, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely coming from this position, right? And mm -hmm. that position is bound with my, uh, who I am, my identity, my historical and political coordinates, right? Mm -hmm. And also my framework and how I'm criticizing this is like kind of a, you know, it's a particular type of framework. I'm not going to give it away, but like this maybe the color and the image here maybe gives me an idea of like what my political framework is. Um, yeah, uh, and kind of like yeah, my framework of creating and um, and it's tied to the to the dark, you know, and like at, at in the in the um, intro, I got this line from Adorno. I got it from Moton, but like Moton was quoting Adorno about like uh, the the darkness and, and working in dark and working with um, black, and Moton kind of tied that into sort of black aesthetics, mm -hmm. and that's another one of my critical frameworks and my medium, you know, because the the critical work is also a type of I think it's an art, you mm -hmm. know. Um, that's a controversial statement. Hmm? Yeah, you can well, say that on Twitter. Well, I think I think we have a relationship, you definitely. Know? And I'm trying to build that. I want to build that relationship, you know. And like for me, um, I would say I appreciate the people who I can have that dialogue with and who ask me questions or interrogate the work mm -hmm. in a way where it's like, okay, all right, people are looking at this, and it's not like just some sort of a uh, wish fulfillment or like you know. Um, a diversion, which is, you know, there's space for that too. Like in the beginning, I talk about like uh, uh, escapism as a as a type of like marinage, like a sort of you know like uh, maroons escaping, like escaping to the north, escaping to somewhere in the south, like you know hiding out with the indigenous people or whatever, <laughs> or like even a even just like to get away into the you know the wilderness. Mm -hmm. I think the work has that too, but I think. Um, being cognizant of what that is is an important part of my formal practice yeah. and critical process. And how early in your career uh, making art, your experience making art, not even like a productive thing, how early did you come to that conclusion where you needed to be the person who did that? Or was it always there for you in some way? To uh, build a relationship or b create to a marinage? Create the marinage. Um, actually, uh, when I was a 
like a uh, late teenager, maybe it's like uh, in college. Uh, like a lot of you know, it was like the it was like the end of the shiny suit. It was like the shiny suit era of hip hop, and like I kind of gave up on hip hop, and I started to like I just started listening to punk, and like there was this um, this is embarrassing now to say, but there was this line in one of these Sex Pistols songs where he's like, I think it's pretty vacant, where he's like, I don't something like I I don't like illusions I'm into for real or whatever. And I was like, yeah, fuck illusions, man. <laughs> and so from that moment, I was kind of like, yo, I don't want to make, I had thought of art or escapism was something that people told me art is, you know? Um, and like at that moment, I was like, yo, I don't want to make art as an escape. And it took me years for me to appreciate, even as a black man, like the value of escape. Mm -hmm. um, and escape shouldn't be, you know, like if you're not aware of how you're escaping, you might you might escape into you know your peril you like yeah. or into more peril you know what I mean like you you may oh shit like I gotta escape the plantation you end up in Brazil where like the chattel <laughs> slavery is worse yeah. you know what I mean or like you know you 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 run into the swamps and alligator like, yeah so you limb from limb which may be better but like you know what I mean like um so it took me a while and like to answer your question like actually not until very recently mm -hmm. um, struggling with the fantastic elements of my work um, and and thinking about why, you know, like why, why am I making these, you know, kind of aesthetically even fun, like the violence could be like, okay, well, you know, what's the point in this really? You know yeah. what I mean? Or am I just reproducing some like harmful stuff? And like, and if I am like, you know, can I be more deliberate about what my aesthetics are doing? And does the message come before the work or does it come out through the work? Mm. I think it's like I have a question, mm -hmm. and then it's like I'm solving or teasing out the question in the process of making the work. You know? mm -hmm. In the same way that like um, you maybe use a new material at the start of a project or in between a project, mm -hmm. and like the use of a new material is an interrogation of how that material reacts to the different other materials, and like your your ability to produce work in a certain time frame. It's like you're interrogating that material. Mm -hmm. Like the, the subject is the same thing. It's like, you know, Africa and this, there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm not actually like, I'm a little embarrassed that I had written it. You know what I mean? Like, cause I was still figuring things out as I was. And I do some automatic like script writing in, uh, cause I re-lettered it. So like I do, I there's a few differences from the original Africa. But um, yeah, so, uh, no, the process is, um, it's me figuring out things. Like I, when working on Prince of Cats, I, I kind of almost was paralyzed by the idea that um, by the end of the book, my style was gonna be different than at the beginning. Mm. Or like maybe not to you guys, but to me. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I had to get to a point where I started to see the act of making the work as being something else than like the commodity and being like, okay, this process is, it's me figuring these things out and mm -hmm. being cool with that. And then it's like, okay, well, what you're gonna get is like, you know, a reproduction of all <laughs> these different things that come together as a commodity and there's value in that. And then somewhere in between what I've put on the shelf or someone else has put on the shelf, let's keep it real, and like the audience, that's another piece. Like mm -hmm. you're experiencing it as like something else that's happening. You know what I mean? Like I, that's what I had to tell myself to just let the work go. And I feel like as a reader, I'm not 
maybe I'm not a typical comics reader because yeah. I did criticism for a long time. You've you have to be kind a of a lunatic to do that. Yeah. But as a reader, I love seeing works change over time because mm. that's a different kind of relationship with the artist. Mm. Um, like I've been reading, like I love One Piece, the mm. uh, manga by Eiichiro Oda. And chapter like 903 just came out, <laughs> and no one draws you know 40,000 pages of comics right. the exact same way. Mm. So there's some real pleasure in seeing him go from like kind of a cartoony, like soft style, to like some real hardcore rendering and like crazy panel layouts. Mm. And it's harder to spot in a single volume, of mm. course, because you're kind of in the story; it all makes sense. But over time. It's not a true relationship. Like I can't be like, "Hey, man, why'd that happen?" But I can like not think yet. about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're, you're, That's the goal. You're making moves. <laughs> yeah. um, I just want to be like his personal assistant. It'd be right. cool. <laughs> but I can look and go like, That's a "Oh, great comic. right." <laughs> but when you see it, you're like, "He began here. He ended up here. What happened in the middle?" Mm. And kind of interrogate it from a different direction. Mm. I'm not necessarily like psychoanalyst, mm. uh, psychoanalysis, but just like. Did he change his brush? Did he mm. change how he draws noses? Mm. Um, did he stop drawing noses? Mm. Just yeah. things like that are really interesting to me. I love that, like how you can see, uh, so like there's, you know, I talk about in lab about the ideology of form, like how ideology or sort of, um, yeah, how ideology comes out in aesthetics, right? Mm -hmm. um, and someone was talking about how, you know, there's this notion, at least for me, um, Dragon Ball Z, like growing up, is something. It's something like I don't know. If you're if you're aware of uh, aesthetics and how they relate to race and like white supremacy, there was something that always like fucked with me about a guy who got stronger by his hair turning blonde. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, even at a very young age, I was like, nah, fuck that shit. But yeah. I love it. I'm like, this is tough. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, and then it's like, come to find out, he's like, uh, I save on inking. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's faster. It's faster for their hair to be white. You that's know, amazing. I read that article, I was like, wow. That's, that's like ideology of form. Like, that is the commercial side. Like, you're sitting, you know, like, and that's how it manifested. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I just thought that That's was, a trip. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know about Super Saiyan Rose, right? Mm, I've, seen, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know the story behind it. It's ridiculous. I mean, I just love that it's Super Saiyan Rose. Yeah, it's like tough. it's next level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you have to be really, you know, you can't care too much about like any type of performance, you know, yeah. like male gen gender performance to like be Rose. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's something. Now it's flipped. Yeah, it's like you 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 like kind of stunting on people. Be like, yeah. You know, let me have that rosé. <laughs> I want the sweet one too. <laughs> um, so I feel like out of all the people I talk to, you're the number one dude who makes me go to Google after mm. to figure out, to look up uh, references, to look up uh, philosophers, artists, that kind of thing. Uh, are you self-taught? Yeah. 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 Um, I went to school for um, illustration. Mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of started when uh, I was a kid. I. Uh, Maybe when I first got to, I feel like I maybe got this before I, I got to New York, but I started to pick up those Adbuster magazines. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. it made me start to think about um, aesthetics, you know? Um, and also, I started at Pratt as an uh, art direction major. Um, I was so ignorant about art. I thought art direction meant that, like, I would. I was kind of, maybe not, yeah, I was ignorant, but like this is kind of like art director, 
would like an old old Hollywood mm-hmm. I was thinking like oh I'll work in film art direction right yeah. like I had no idea that I should be in the film department <laughs> you know like something else um, so you got to the first class they gave you a magazine you were like what yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. no and and um like advertising um, yeah focus so and then once I realized I was like mm, I can't do this so uh, it kind of but it set the way I think about my skill set too you know mm-hmm. what I mean? and thinking about what aesthetics are doing like the function of the aesthetics uh, how do you describe yourself as a creator I use you know I hate to read the little thing that I send out to people or yeah. like hear it read out loud because it sounds really like pretentious, you know what I mean, corny kind of. Uh, but I consider myself a cartoonist and I, I like to, um, and a designer because like, um, that's those are the jobs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's difficult with cartoonists because uh, this gets into sub- subjectivity. It's like not everyone understands what that word means or understands it in the way that I mean it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think a cartoonist, I'm like, okay, I think a cartoonist is an intellectual. Like, that's what I think. A cartoonist is an intellectual who works with, you know, writing and with drawing. That's kind of how I, I think of a cartoonist. So, like, when I say that, you understand, okay, like, I'm, you know, I'm a cat who, like, the drawing and the writing is about an idea, mm-hmm. you know, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm reading and I'm looking at things, and, like, the cartoonist that I admire, even if you're just talking about, like, you know, Schultz or something, right? It's like, okay, this cat is an intellectual. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the work, it's in there, you know? Um, and a designer because I solve problems. You know, like I, um, as much as I like to think about fine art and maybe understand a lot of fine art as design, it's like I solve problems, you know, with, with aesthetics. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just like, I don't come out and be like, okay, I want to make a, a, a pretty picture. I, I sometimes I envy people who have that sort of compulsion to just like, yeah, I just want to draw this cool thing. Right yeah, now. you don't really do fan art very often. No, I do it sometimes just to, for the likes, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's real, like that's how you get attention in comics yes. in 2018. It's like, oh, I got, a, I got a new comic coming out, let me do a, um, another Ninja Turtle image, you know what I mean? I get a couple extra viewers, followers on that, you know, hopefully it translates to sales, you know. I do like Ninja Turtles though. If I'm gonna do fan art, it's gonna be Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> They're my favorite. And Which I think the they best do turtle. them all wrong. Best turtle? It's Raph, right? Ah, the best turtle is the union between them. Turtlehood. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's deep. <laughs> oh, man. I got a banger Ninja Turtle story, man. They never let me do it. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about how some of your interests um, shaped your craft, or influenced your craft, rather. Mm. Um, you mentioned being into uh, like Taiyo Matsumoto, mm. uh, Bond SNA. Mm. Uh, where are you at for cartoons, like American cartoons? Mm. Anything like that? I mean, like animated. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, I could go on forever, but like, yeah, I, you, if you're talking about like my most formative years, like, yeah. like Thundercats was my shit, bro. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, everything that we grew up watching, what was weird is um, here was a moment of uh, sort of awakening for me was realizing and it's funny because I don't know I'm wondering like is this me tying my politics back into <laughs> what happened or is this like a legit way of re- it's legit because I'm, I'm making it but like how legit like how yeah. legit and that's you know kind of around when I was uh, a kid and I got Macross and like or watching animation 
and being like, okay, well, this show is dope, right? But like only a few episodes are really dope. Yeah. <laughs> and then understanding like, you know, okay, so where is this, co- like this is a different aesthetic than like some of the other episodes. And then like, you know, getting to be kind of uh, aged, like before people had, an, before anime was a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then like picking up a video and like the Errols or what, you know, Blockbuster, and then it's like, it's Macross. And as I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, this is Japanese, right? So, and then realize, okay, the labor Mm-hmm. on this show that I like, this is what they're doing. Like, this is their shit, right? Yeah. This is when they control the means of production. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they get to make the story, they get to do all of that. And I'm like, oh, so this is a thing. Like, so this is dope. Like, actually, this is what I fucks with. This is what they're doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, this is like their um, side job. And then you're, you start to understand, like, the creators and, like, the actual, the hands that are involved in making those things. And so, like, yeah, Macross was a big one. Um, or Robotech, like I always wanted a toy, and um, you know, Skyfire was my favorite. And then I realized, like, oh shit, this is just a toy, but the toy also has its own show. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that show is Robotech. Oh, and by the way, that was another show that was Macross. You yeah, know what I mean, like um, all of that. It's like and, digging in the crates. Yeah, it is digging. That's I think the lasting thing about my work. My work is all about digging. Like yeah. it's just like it's like you know who made this? All right, who was the producer on that? And like, what did they go on to do? And then that—that's what shapes what that—that's what shapes my whole outlook mm-hmm. on a lot of this stuff because it's like you pick up something and you're like, okay, this is dope, but like, why is this dope? Like, I think that's something that comes from, you know, even as a kid, uh, say, rather young, um, the De La Soul track comes out, um, me, myself, and I, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, wow. Uh, I, but I remember this song, you know, like what, you know, what is this song? And then it's like, okay, and this is how, you know, young mm-hmm. you are. I'm like, oh, so that's Parliament. Oh, Parliament and Funkadelic is George Clinton. And that's also like, you know, Parliament is Funkadelic, Brides of Frankenstein, like all that. And like, this is all together. And oh yeah, Me, Myself and I is that song. It's like, oh yeah, I actually just really want to listen to Me, Myself and I. And like, you know, <laughs> or not, I really want to listen to Not Just Knee Deep. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, okay, and then I'm starting to remember like, oh, you know, Wow, okay, and un- also understanding how sampling works and how like, you know, <laughs> like the, yeah, like you're getting in a, you're getting a briefing on like postmodernism and all this stuff before you even gotten into like yeah. high school. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> but like yeah. the formal aspects of it or the, the execution of like the praxis of it, right? And there's even a black history aspect as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, you're you're talking about like maybe the the aesthetics of like hip hop or yeah. Like, yeah 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 or going back to like um, even the blues like how the blues is the relationship of the blues to jazz and like yeah you're talking about bebop is like freestyle sampling and improvisation like it's, you yeah. know what I mean like taking these standards breaking them up uh, flipping them in different ways like yeah I love that stuff yeah. I mean like I'm. I should probably identify as a rap fan first before mm. a writer, mm. you know, because I'm. I was watching Common uh, Rider Amazons mm. on Amazon.com, <laughs> <laughs> and there was an, a song that played That's on an interlude. Yeah, yeah, it came okay. out I think last I've year. I've seen you and Julian talking about. It. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's grim. Uh, it's pretty fun though. But there was a song. I was like, I know this melody. This melody's from somewhere. So I basically just listened to a bunch of MP3s till I found it, <laughs> and it was from a Pusha oh. T song that came out wow. like two years ago. And that's the sort of thing where I feel like what's beautiful about that's rap music, Ill. about your work, about mm. a lot of people is they'll put in the reference and it's like a present at the end of the feature, mm. you know? 
because that song is great. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, the Common Rider is great. Together, it's a weird mix, but like I'm into it. Wow. Yeah. That's dope. Um, I tweeted Julian that night. I was like, hey, it was like <laughs> one in the morning. I was like, you know what this is? <laughs> yeah. Did he know already? Or? Uh, no, he was going to look it up too, but yeah. I figured it out before he woke up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that sort of historical aspect of bringing, all the, bringing in all these influences, but then sharing them as well. Because, mm. um, like, y'all know Frank Miller, like Batman mm. artist, Daredevil artist. Mm. Yeah. Like, manga made him the artist he is. Mm -hmm. uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, that era. But nobody really talks about that. Mm. People act like manga came to the States in like 1999 mm. or with Tokyo Pop. Hama does. He's on that list with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of those things where it's like the more you know about the work, the more fun the work is, I feel. The more you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, knowledge this is, is a power. Sample. This is a sample. Like, this, I don't know how many of you guys have ever watched um, Godard's Alphaville. Like this is a this is a sample from Alphaville, like one of the first shots in the film. It's a reference. It's like um, I actually don't like that film as much as I used to. I got to see it in the theater uh, recently, but it was like formative for me when I was like um, in college or coming out of college, uh, and that's why I made Africa. I wanted to see if I could um, do create a comic that did. Uh, dealt with the subject matter um, that Godard was dealing with, except my sort of uh, anti-colonial, um, you know, my black lens on it. Because yeah. like the film, it flirts with a lot of philosophy and like Marxism, and like um, Godard is like uh, he is exploring sort of like Marxist aesthetics. And at the time, I didn't really know what Marxist aesthetics was, but I. I mean, I knew from sampling, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like I sampled that and I kind of played out the first uh, portion of the film, except instead of like, you know, dealing with uh, uh, Marx or Gramsci, which I would have not known of at the time, I, you know, I put Fanon and, you know, um, you know, this sort of black radical, uh, imagination stuff in, which I would have also not known any of the language for at the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I had no idea any of that. I had read, you know, um, Wretched of the Earth, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I, I didn't know about the tradition, you know, like a lot of the uh, stuff that I would find out later. Mm -hmm. um, you're also one of the few artists that's uh, publicly, you'd, like you do auto critique. Mm -hmm. You recently posted about uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Mm -hmm which I guess came out 10 years ago, mm. which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but you were saying that you didn't like it at first, like mm. how like the book came out and how the relationship with the publisher worked, mm. but now you see like mm. light in it. Mm. Uh, what drives like that kind of self-examination? Is it just trying to level up each time or? I feel like, uh, I don't know if it's that deliberate. Uh, that was just really a sincere, I was looking at the work because it, I had to do that panel about adaptation. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, oh, I've adapted something. I, I adapted something Wicked This Way Comes too. And I was looking at it, I was like, yo, this is kind of fire, yo. <laughs> I just had the distance. I just had the distance, you know what yeah. I mean? But I just remember like, oh, you know, like, um, I remember the struggle of being in it, you know, like trying to do the work and like wrestling through it. And then all of a sudden I had the distance and I'm looking like, oh, that's a decent picture. Yeah. No, that's like, you know, um, that was you doing the work, you know, um, mm -hmm. as fast as you have to do it. Cause like comics is also, it's a job. Like it's, it's not like, <clears throat> 
you know, sometimes there's like this uh, hippie-ish, like, oh, I gotta do my art type of thing, but it's like, yeah, but also, you know, rent is due every month, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you have the worst way of making rent. So yeah. like, you know, um, you literally, you, you get to choose what your rate is. The faster you work, the better you're paid, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like, um, there was that element, yeah. Yeah, it's always, I like, so I can bring what I, my perspective to a work, but the creator's perspective is unique, mm. which is something it's always cool to hear, like, how so-and-so feels about this thing from what way back in the day. What did you call it? Auto-critique? Auto-critique. I'm not, I wasn't aware of that. I, uh, so I straight up got it from a Grant Morrison comic mm. in the early 2000s, where uh, I think it's like a situationist thing, mm. where essentially, like, if I was gonna auto-critique, I'd be, I'm a black man wearing a Black Panther t-shirt with a tattoo in Swahili. Mm. And then I could, you know, like that's, that right. means something. Mm. Uh, and it means something about me. It's like deep mm. self-examination. Mm. Um, it probably comes from the French. Mm. There's right. gotta be like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something, it's goofy in the comic, like I'm a little too old to read that comic now mm. and get anything out of it. Mm. But I like the idea of self-examination, of take, being very, very honest mm. about yourself. Yeah, I guess this is kind of like auto-critique of yeah. the paper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what dark matter kind of means. Mm-hmm. It's acknowledging like, um, you know, it's just acknowledging my lens, mm-hmm. which I think is uh, important for me. Um, it's kind of like what it, that that Oprah saying, like, show them how you want to be treated. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so. um, speaking of the lens, one thing we uh, we got into a lot yesterday, but not too much today, is uh, being black. And telling stories. Mm. Uh, you told a lot of stuff. I feel like Prince of Cats, uh, Lighten Up from the Nib, mm. even Africa, well, actually, definitely Africa, from mm. very black perspectives. Mm. Do you, is it an obligation or is it just where you're at? Um, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's like um, I'm, I'm working on what's interesting to me. Um, what's really difficult is it's adjacent to my sort of market value. Mm. So meaning like it's adjacent to what I think the market would see valuable in me. But it's not always expressed in a way that's easily marketable. Mm-hmm. So meaning um, I had this uh, conversation, like Sunset Park actually was an idea I've had years for years and years and years. And I originally pitched it to an editor who um, we were on, we were doing this function uh, out in Athens, was that Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. And um, this uh, editor was like, yeah, I wanna do a horror comic. And I was like, wow, I have a horror comic. And I'm thinking like, you know, um, I'm thinking like, I'm not gonna say, well, I'm gonna, if you wanna wanna hear it, it's a spoiler alert. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give you like, I'm gonna give you like the, um, I'm gonna give you like the elevator pitch that I gave this guy. I was like, yeah, it's like Bram Stoker's Dracula, except like Basquiat is Mina and Warhol is Dracula. You know what I mean? (laughs) And like, yeah, it takes place in New York. It deals with like, you know, all of, you know, uh, elements of being a black artist and like, you know, um, sort of your, your body and like, being consumed by you know art market and like there was a lot of other stuff that it changed into after that but like that was kind of the elevator pitch at the time mm-hmm. and he's like ah oh, yeah no I was thinking he essentially said I was thinking more like Wu Tang like with werewolves and shit like that and it's like, <laughs> here's a case of like what I just described which was like super black I thought right yeah but and then this person's idea of like what 
black is, right? <laughs> this you is know? what they think about and you. And what's weird is like a, 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 an ironic third horror story that was happening as he said it to me, right? Like, oh, okay, this is the true horror of being black you know, in these spaces, is you saying that shit to me right now. Yeah. So. He couldn't even do Wu-Tang with, like, Sun Wukong or something like right. that? Like, Wow, shh. You better, you better keep them juicy yourself. I actually have a Sun Wukong treatment. Uh, we're going to have to yeah. talk then. Because, I mean, it's just like, you know, not for nothing, it's like one of the animals is like a perfect fit for, like, some street shit, you know? yeah. Like he's literally what he is, what he would be, yeah. So, yeah, nah. Who's hmm? uh, <laughs> got a question? Anybody curious about something? Want to chime in? Jake, I know you got a question. <laughs> Yo, not for nothing, right? Goku is Sun Wukong, right? Yeah. He has to. He is like Sun Wukong escapes from under the mountain, right? Goku wears an orange uniform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it like that. Fam. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking about when you were talking about Alphaville and kind of looking at a white film from your perspective. It reminds me of uh, an essay that you shared recently online where you were talking about uh, the recent Blade Runner movie. Mm. Um, did you talk a little bit about that? Because that was a, a yeah, it was an outtake from Lab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's a it's a film about like um, uh, your ontological position and like you know uh, how it relates to um, kind of like like he's dealing with structural uh, antagonisms because of his ontological position the entire time. Right? He is a uh, the main character K is. <clears throat> is not human. Uh, so for me, this is very interesting <laughs> because, um, you know, there's like a lot of stuff about necropolitics in that, you know, like uh, how um, the right to reproduce um, uh, your body's reproduction as, uh, as a commodity, you know, like which gets into, you know, the slave, like a black woman's body, like she's literally a commodity, but she's also producing a commodity, which also is, you know. Yeah, so I thought that film, regardless of what they intended, uh, was a grist, you know what I mean, for um, a, an interesting discussion. Mm -hmm. One of the most, you know, at the end of the, the um, article, I say the biggest piece of fantasy in the film is that um, we would create another, uh, you know, like subhuman, uh, form of labor, and we would have it be indistinguishable from us readily. You know what I mean? Like, there should, you know, like the little thing under the eye just seems like, um, you know, we've already done that, and we chose something that was very uh, readily observable, mm -hmm. you know? So I think the paranoia that would have come from that is maybe, you know, it's more akin to like what happened with fascism in Europe, you know? Um, it's just a really interesting, here's my thing, when my reviews, another thing about my reviews, they're probably not gonna be, maybe whether I liked it or not, maybe it will be like a sentence long. But it's probably gonna be like, well, what line of thinking or thought is this, um, yeah. you know, or what is this thing doing, or what are these aesthetics doing um, purposefully or accidentally, as I see it. Like my critical framework, here's what my critical framework is, right, you kinda have that. Now this is how I'm looking at this work and how I'm seeing these aesthetics, seeing their function. And that film, um, 
I think I'm very interested. Another thing about that film is uh, I wish, I would hope, it would be dope if, you know, um, there's like, what, four black characters in the film, right? Um, and they all maybe coincidentally have like a weird sort of relationship to uh, blackness mm-hmm. of, um, to like they're on the other side of that sort of uh, power paradigm in the film. Like mm-hmm. so there's a guy from The Wire, he plays, a detect- he plays another detective, like a cop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a woman who's uh, buying domestic servants. Uh, there's a slave, uh, mas- like a slave master and then there's like a um, like a slave trader, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like kind of like a mark, like a black market. Yeah. And all of those characters are black, and they're the only black characters. I just like if you think about formal uh, practice, or even like uh, art as a sort of radical praxis, what would be dope is, you know, oh, there are no black people in this film, like except for those black characters. And then if you look at the cast or like the um, the people who are working on the film, mm-hmm. it's because like economically, right, yeah. it's important. It's full of uh, black workers. I don't know, I don't know, you know, but I think that would have been great. Because more and more I really, I'm, not to sound like Matt Damon, but it's like, <laughs> I really don't, I don't honestly think that we need to have, like we need to be careful about what, how we're represented more than if we're represented. Mm-hmm. And we need to um, understand that like, you know, if you were gonna do a film about you could do a totally, a real, a real black film about, um, say, or a radical black film, and it could be about like the West, um, like the Wild West. Uh, I, I also, I don't know if I posted this yet. I don't think I posted it because I wanted to do uh, as a two-part with like the death of Stalin. But um, I also omitted um, the Young Karl Marx by Raoul Peck, which is a black film with no black main characters. But Raoul Peck, if you're familiar, like Raoul Peck did the um, James Baldwin film. Um, oh, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. I and saw that in Portland. Yeah, it's a good film. <laughs> and so he does the Young Karl Marx, and almost, you know, I almost just wanted to include it because it's like it's about a bunch of like. It's about Germans, <laughs> like you know, French people and shit. But it's a black film. Yeah. You know? uh, what makes it a black film? What makes anything a black? Anything? Mm, yeah. I think that's a question I, I don't necessarily have an answer for. In mm-hmm. this case, I would say, for me, like in my critical framework, it's a black film because the um, the person who has the most sort of uh, creative agency in the creation of it is the director. Mm-hmm. It's an auteur piece, right? And that, and the director is a, um, you know, he's a Haitian man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, um, and also, uh, the ideas in it are uh, are pertaining to uh, radical pot- politics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's his lens on sort of like the the development of the Communist uh, Manifesto. The story is really like a love story between Engels and Marx. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and it's maybe it's like a four-way love story, or three, um, because, uh, damn it, this, 
this is very bad optics. I can't remember Marx's wife's name. <laughs> but she's very important to the film. It's the actress from uh, The Phantom Thread plays her, and she murders it. She kills it. Okay. It's great. It's a great job. But it's interesting because I think the, the greatest thing about the film is it humanizes... Um, it has actually less to do with the politics, just like what it means to be working as a writer or working as a creative person and trying to do something, you mm -hmm. know, to like change the material world with like, you know, your writing or your aesthetics or anything. That's what I got from it. Um, I think the death of Stalin functions better as a work of like Marxist aesthetic because just the, the fact that it takes place in Russia, but everyone's got like British accents, <laughs> except for um, what's his name, Mr. Pink. From uh, Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi plays <laughs> Khrushchev. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like that itself kind of, you're like, wait, okay. This is a, um, this is theater, yeah. right? And it's, it's kind of played like a bit of a comedy, like a really dark comedy. I mean, yeah. it's a death That's style. what, it, uh, it's Ian Nucci, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude is so, disrespectful. You watch the, the, his TV show? Yeah, Veep yeah. is really good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, that's cool. Uh, so we got time for one more question if anybody wants to take us out on a high note, <laughs> medium note, mm. low note. All right, cool. Well, um, so Bra I forgot to read. Note? Yeah. Wait, wait, someone, I heard an um. No? It's for me, but oh. I, totally, I totally lost my thoughts. It's okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I forgot to read the uh, indigenous land acknowledgement at the start of the Oh, panel. yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh. Um, so the Toronto Comics Arts Festival would like to acknowledge that the land on which we gather is a traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, uh, Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nation, the Haudenosaunee, and the Huron-Wendat and that indigenous peoples have lived on and cared for this land for more than 15,000 years. This territory is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Treaty. Today, Toronto is still the home to many indigenous peoples from across Turtle Island. We acknowledge that settlers on this island directly benefit from the process of colonization. In the recognition of our gathering on these lands for TCAF 2018, the festival has made a donation to Native Child and Family Services of Toronto. We look forward to increasing our support and programs for indigenous creators in the years to come. And programming at TCAF 2018 is sponsored by Seneca College's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Design. And TCAF would also like to thank our presenting sponsors, the Beguiling Little Island Comics and Toronto Public Library. Thanks to our media sponsor, Now Magazine. And we also recognize the support of the Canada Council for the Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, and the Toronto Arts Council. Uh, they got a lot of comics grants in Canada, mm. it turns out. Yeah, I need to. What am I doing? <laughs> um, but so can I get a round of applause for Ron Wimberly? Lyrically, I'm untouchable, uncrushable. in a six hundred, running in a six hundred. Untouchable, uncrushable. in a six hundred, running in a six hundred. I drops every blue moon to separate myself from you, kings of the YouTube. I am more YouTube. I am like Bono with the edge. In Mexico, fuck Donald and his pledge. Legend has it, the wrist is magic, the left is paddock for leaps replaced by Matsuisa. Ignorant Bliss can be found on ignorant-bliss.com. It can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Critical, the Movie Critics Network on Blog Talk Radio, on the Taylor Network of Podcasts, 
also on Twitter at IGPL Podcast, along with my own Twitter at Julian Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E. You can also support this show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Julian Lytle. Thanks to all the people who support this show each month. Also, check out the show Culture Trapping, which I'm a host on. And the Speaker Talks monthly show on David Brothers' site in which me, David Brothers, and Jamila Rouser talk about music once a month. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And see you next time. Moo told me to switch styles He just came home from the feds like a mistrial He tells me I miss out on all that club money I don't bounce Adidas gave me a million and that don't bounce The president of good music has been announced A quarter million a year and that don't bounce I'm in the score of these movies, I'm losing count <laughs>